Hewler and Moats are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steeler Nation? It is Tuesday, noon Eastern Standard Time, and that can only mean one new thing. Because typically, you know, the old thing would be that you wouldn't be hearing the voices of Moats and Euler on a Tuesday at high noon. Because that's typically when the boss man, the head honcho, would be speaking. But things have changed. It's the offseason. And due to the offseason and the new schedule, you will be hearing Moats and Euler Every Tuesday and Thursday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here on SNR. And my friend, my compadre, it is good to see you today, baby. It is really good. It is, yeah. This It feels a little different. Been a while since we've done Tuesday shows. I had to get used to it. I was like, man, what, what, what do we call Tuesday? You know what? I'm going to call it the Tuesday Takeover. The Tuesday Takeover. Because clearly, in the radio business... You want iter- uh, was it iterations, right? Mm-hmm. Tuesday Absolutely. takeover. Alliterations. Alliterations. Yeah. There we go. go. Same, same, same difference. Ball. Listen, what we do here yeah. on the show is we butcher words and we butcher first names. That's right? it, man. If you don't know that now three years later. I Boom. Mean- it's that simple. So we got the Tuesday takeover. Obviously, it's in combination with the Moats Host Friday, mm-hmm. but because no It'll longer be Friday. Moats Host Tuesday. Exactly. But see, it doesn't it doesn't flow the same. So it's called the Tuesday Takeover. Yeah. Just keep it simple. Tuesday Takeover. Tuesday takeover. I like it. You I like know? it. You so know, that's we, where we're at right now. We need a lot of um, different nickname and, and things like that with you. Uh, let's get to this right away before we forget because mm-hmm. we didn't talk about it in our show prep, and I don't want to step on your toes mm-hmm. here, but I, uh, I, I don't want to forget this. We need to come up with a hockey nickname for you, too. Absolutely. All right, so I, I worked in Philadelphia with this guy, this kid named Jack Fritz. Okay. Great, great kid. I mean, I say kid. He's a few years younger than me. I worked with this great kid, Jack Fritz, who was super into football and baseball. Mm-hmm. Didn't really care about anything else. All right, you know, maybe a little Sixers here, little Flyers there, but okay. just really an Eagles and Phillies guy. But when he would start talking hockey, when he would get into hockey – he wasn't Jack Fritz anymore. He was Jackie Pucks. Jackie Pucks. So we need <laughs> we need a hockey. Na- I see Arthur Motes all weekend tweeting about the Penguins. Listen, man. I, I, we just, need a hockey nickname. Listen, I am fully embracing the Pittsburgh sports culture. I've done it before, but never to the extent of media broadcast fully mm. embracing it. Mm. Last year, I flirted with it a little bit, obviously with some of my other radio obligations, discussing a little bit of the pins, a little bit of the pirates, but I still didn't deep dive. I wasn't fully committed to it. Just did enough of it, right? You just were dipping just, your toe you know, in, the, just, in, just the, in the shallow end. Right. Yeah. Whereas now, I said... Cannonball. I said, man, what, what, do, you, what do you do? I said, if, if I was still playing ball right now in the all-season hit, would I rest on my laurels of, man, well, you had success, man. You were doing this and that and that, man. You got recognition here. Mm. Or would I say, all right, what can we do to get better? What can we do to improve ourselves? So I said, you know what? Hockey is an area in which I would like to expand <laughs> my knowledge. I would like to expand myself out of my comfort zone. So I'll be putting more effort towards that during this offseason, during this allotted free time. Look at you. So, yes, that, it's, that's it's the purpose. The, it's the work you know? ethic that got you, you know, a decade of NFL experience and 
I mean, folks, watch out. I'm just, I'm just trying to expand and just do the more. You know, it was, the more you can do, we're gonna, right? We're going to look up in a few years, and he's going to have his own media empire. <laughs> it's going to be like, you know what? It's, it's going to be like the Dan Patrick show. Yeah. Where, you know, Moats is going to be sitting at the desk, and then he'll have all Listen, of his guys. I'm just hoping to be one of the, the Moatsettes out the there. The world the of Arthur Moats. That's what we're calling it. I already got the name. The world of Arthur Moats. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we will be working on that. In the near future, man, in terms of me getting my hockey name, because, yeah, I, I definitely need to get the that. The body checker. I, well, somebody did give me so, something, with, and, and I saw it. Someone I, tweeted that. The only thing that I, I, I'm really concerned with for myself is I want to grow the locks, like the little flowy mm. locks that hang out the back the of the helmet. Tang, yeah. 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 And I, I got to see what, what type of activator I need to get the, the hair to curl the way it's supposed to curl, so I got my locks. As long as I get that, I feel like it's official. Because all the hockey analysts, when you watch them on NHL Network, they all have the, like, super long, flowy. They do. I was like, is it a mullet? I don't know if you call it mullet, locks. I don't know. Yeah. I need to see you with, like, the Prince flow. You know? I'm be working on it. That's all I'm saying. I'm be working on it. Purple jacket and a perm. Right. <laughs> but – Speaking of the Pittsburgh sports scene and, and just, you know, fully engulfing ourselves in that, man, we had major news as it pertains to the Pittsburgh Steelers yes. over the weekend. Um, obviously, this happened when we were off, but the Steelers officially named Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator. They promoted him from their quarterback's coach. Now, obviously, we talked about him having an interview with the Miami Dolphins and just how intriguing of a job that Dolphins' opportunity could have been. Now, we don't know the particulars in terms of if they offered it to him or not, but we do know that shortly after him interviewing, the Steelers went ahead and decided to make him the offensive mm -hmm. coordinator. And I guess my question to you, Wes, was it the right move? Because we talked about this prior to them making that announcement of Matt Canada being the guy. We talked about how typically – the Steelers don't have a lot of assistance. They get opportunities to become coordinators or head coaches. And then we also talked about how they don't really spend a lot of money investing in the assistant coaches from an outsourced standpoint, right? We talked about Doug Petersons, your Eric Bieniemies, your Brian Dables, and, and guys like that. They typically don't spend to get those guys. They would rather just promote from within. And we talked about the expectations mm -hmm. associated with that approach. So here we are again now. Fast forward, was it two years later from the time they did the exact same thing with Randy Feekner? Do you think this was the right move or not? Well, let me ask you first. I I, I don't think it's – it hasn't – have the Steelers officially announced it yet? Well, like the, I, I, the, 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 yeah, they haven't done been, it yet. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it correct. could, could yeah. happen here. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll happen while we're on well, air. Well, we're hoping so, right? Um, So, yeah, I, I just wanted that caveat just real quick. Um. Until it is, you know, officially, officially, official, official. official. Yeah. Yes. Um, Moats, this is not going to be the popular um, thing. I don't even know if I was going to say popular answer, but I don't know if it's even really an answer. This is not going to be the definitive answer that everybody wants. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have some hot take on this is a great decision, this is a bad decision, because really I don't think tangibly we're going to know until September when the Steelers play meaningful football games. Um, because if it you know if if we get the news here shortly, like we all expect, that officially, officially, Matt Canada. That's has right. Been because named yesterday was a holiday, so Steelers. yeah, you, you weren't going to get any, yes, That's you weren't going to get an announcement on a holiday. Shout out to MLK. I mean, there. I was working, but uh, <laughs> yesterday, uh, or yes, now now you got me laughing and saying <laughs> yesterday, like I'm singing a Beatles song. Um, 
once this announcement becomes officially official, uh, like I think we all expect it to, and like a lot of very credible sources have reported, it's going to be one or two things, I think, pretty obviously. One, that Matt Canada really uh, has the autonomy, the power, the authority to implement, to, to mold this offense in his vision right we'll see mm-hmm. more pre-snap motion we'll see more movement we'll see more play action uh, gimmicky stuff if you want to label it that at times right if not if it is matt canada coming in and he's not going to have that much of a say he's not going to have that much of a power maybe it's just a buy some time type thing right uh, one more year with ben mm-hmm. roethlisberger before you really start to to try and implement big time changes to the offense that's going to be pretty obvious in September as well, too. If the Steelers are still at the bottom of the league in, in play action, which is something that they've done now for three straight years, they were they were the last uh, in play action percentage of offense plays. And throughout plays. those three straight years, I believe that dates back to the last year at Haley, correct? Or, no, 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 this would have been, because you're not counting 2021, you're going 2019. 2020, 2019, 2018, yeah. So that would have been his, that was his first year gone. Then. Correct, yeah, so, Haley's yeah. first year gone, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, I don't know if they've been exactly dead last for three straight years. I know they were this year, and they've been bottom three, four, or five. Without Definitely. a doubt, yes. So, if, if if we get four or five weeks into the season next year, Motsi, and the Steelers are top ten in the NFL in play action, then it's clear that Matt Canada, again, had authority, was allowed to implement, to, to, to start to mold the offense in his vision. If we get four, five, six games into the season and the Steelers are bottom five in the league and play action and they're not doing much pre-snap motion, like it, it's it's going to take time to really know. And see, I, and I know that that's not the, the definitive well, answer that everybody wants. Well, because it's the thing. I understand that approach, and that is more so the hindsight 2020 approach, right? We can't say if Coach Tomlin and the Steelers are going to be a good team just yet until after the season is over. Sure, you could say that. But I guess for me – initial knee-jerk reaction when I look at Matt Canada I'm asking myself is this a lateral move or is this an upgrade I do think it potentially will be an upgrade over Randy Feekner but I don't know how much of that is going to be allotted because of the person you mentioned in terms of Ben Roethlisberger as much as we would love to think that Matt Canada is going to have full autonomy and be able to do all these things implement all these things he's still going to be limited with the ability of the quarterback so I still don't even think that that's going to give us the proper gauge fair point. early on in the year. I mean, if Ben physically isn't capable of doing some of the things that Canada wants to do, I mean, how do we, that's you know, true, how, how do we evaluate very, him for that? He's very <laughs> forward thinking. Right, right. Um, you know, it's he's funny. more built for what you saw with Mason and Dobbs than what right. you're accustomed to seeing with Ben. Um, I had uh, big time over here, Arthur Motes. Hold on, <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me. Here we brush, go now. Here we go. Here we go. Shoulders here. Uh, I had my first ever segment with the DVE morning show yesterday. Ooh, goat oh, status. How about that? Okay. Uh, I produced the show plenty of times. Okay. It was my first time on air Whew. with you know with Randy and yeah, Bill and, and Val and Mike. Let's go. And and one of the things um, that Randy and, and Pursuta wanted to talk about was the the future of the quarterback position in the mm-hmm. NFL. You look at the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes's, uh, Baker Mayfield. Right. We saw this from Joe Burrow. The list goes on and on. Russell Wilson. Um, these guys, Kyler Murray, who can not only throw the football but can move as well. Dual threats. Not yes. necessarily to the extent of Lamar Jackson. Correct. Right? Like, Lamar Jackson is the outlier. Right. We're, we're talking guys that can pick up six, seven, eight yards when they need right. to. Guys that when there's room. Like when we saw with Chad, uh, with, with Chad Henney exactly. in the game against the Browns. Exactly. You know who else did this really well this year, too? Low-key, 
Justin Herbert. Yes. Justin Herbert had five touchdown runs. Effective his, running. His yeah. effective, effective situational running, running by your quarterback. Um, and that was a conversation we had yesterday uh, for a few minutes on the DVE Morning Show, how that's kind of the future wave. And if you look around, the only guys who don't play that way now are future Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Brady, Ben, Breeze. Um, Aaron Rodgers kind of does, not as much Aaron as he does Rodgers anymore. Aaron Rodgers could, but he just chooses not Phillip to. Philip Rivers, who, yeah. you know, borderline Hall of Famer, right. right? Like, the only guys who are still playing that way are, like, top ten quarterbacks yes. of all time. Yes. Um, so you're right. You know what? I hadn't thought about it that way. That's a very astute point by you. Who knows how much – I mean, that's that's a lot of what Matt Canada did when he was right. in college. I mean, was, you was look at his pit tape without a doubt, man. Yeah. And I, I just feel like the situation, it could go really well for Canada, but at the same time, I think that he could be – the fall guy potentially if this thing doesn't plan plan out in, in the terms of this right if this is a higher caliber hire a Doug Peterson a Eric Bieniemy a Brian Dable right and, Jay no, and, and the reason why I mentioned those guys is because those are the hot commodities right now as it pertains to offensive coordinators and I believe Dable already has stated that he won't be getting a head coaching job right now Bieniemy I think he he did a virtual interview with the Texans he's a front runner for that Yesterday, but yeah. it's still a little bit of a touchy situation down there because of the handling of <laughs> the it Desha- I mean the Deshaun Watson like let's yeah. uh, let's get Deshaun Watson back in our good graces right. tour continues but it's like instead of us instead of us really interviewing like we were supposed to in person with respect. Oh, we're just going to call him on the phone and just talk about it like that. And now he's the front runner. Come on, man. But hearing those things, I feel like with guys of that caliber, right, those level names, in a year like this and within the next two years, which could realistically be a transition year, right? Say Ben comes back, plays this year, retires in the offseason after that, right? Either way, you're looking at new quarterback. Potentially, we said the way Kevin Colbert's contract is set up and Mike Thomas' contract is set up, that you could potentially be looking at new GM or new head coach or a trio and some combination of those guys within the next two to three years, right? So I don't think a guy like Matt Canada, if there is that type of transition, I don't think he survives that compared to some of these bigger-name guys Mm. where, okay – because of who this person is and how they stand alone, right? We talk about Eric Bieniemy. We talk about uh, Doug Peterson. They're as an offensive coordinator, they are solidified. They are stamped. You're gonna give them a lot more of a, a leash, a lot oh, more absolutely. leeway, and they're not only that, but they're gonna generate a lot more respect from the players. Right now, as much as you know, we're optimistic about Matt Canada because of what he was able to do at Pitt and some of the rumors about his stamp on some of the things that took place this season. I'm sure that there's still guys in that offense that are questioning if he is capable of that because he hasn't been in his role before. Well, last year was his first year right. at, the, at the NFL level. So it's like, man, there are going to be some guys that are questioning if he's capable compared mm-hmm. to some of these other guys where you don't have to deal with the questioning. It's going to be a belief just off of their name alone. So the slow start could happen because of the lack of buying into it early on until they see more of it. And that's not on him, but you can see how – one thing can lead to another, and easily because of this hire and how it's going to be viewed, oh, well, you know, they kept it in house. Why? Because it keeps Ben happy. Oh, so see another Ben? Yes, man. And then you get that narrative put on you. That's my biggest thing. with, And that's why I was trying to just figure out how did you view it as a, a good or bad hire for me? Yeah. It's like <laughs> you see how torn it yeah. is because it's, it's layers to it, right? No, I, I, can, <laughs> I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I think, too, you can look at it in terms of, you know, the status quo conversation. You can look at it, I think, two ways there, too. Like, you can say Ben's had five offensive coordinators. 
other than Todd Haley, they've all been internal promotions. Mm-hmm. But you can also point out, like you and I just did, Matt Canada was a little bit different than Ken Wisenhunt Correct. and Bruce Arians and, and, and certainly Randy Feetner. Not nearly as tenured in the organization, not as much NFL experience. Mm-hmm. So... Again, I, I wish I had more hot takes for you, Moats. I'm doing the nuanced approach, though. I Listen, got, I, I, I got to see real games in September. I, I, I like this cautious version of you, but I know who's not cautious. The power grid. The megawatts. Right. So it's simple. Hit us up on the Twitter.com at TheBody52. TheBody. At Wesley Euler. The good hair. Let us know your thoughts, man, to the potential hiring of Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator. You like the move? Do you hate the move? You taking the Wesley Euler approach, you're going to wait and see. Well, either way, when we come back, we'll be talking about another big move that happened in the NFL over the weekend. <sighs> Could potentially impact some rule changes this offseason mm. as well. <sighs> but you guys stay tuned to hear what we're talking about. This is Motes and Euler on Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. What's up, babies? Motes and Euler. Take over Tuesday. Next hour and a half at least. <laughs> at least. At least. <laughs> Sound you good? Trying to, you trying to burn the midnight oil in here, huh? You throw at least so that way it's like, all right, you don't really know how much okay. further it could be. But just know it's at least real quick because, like I've pointed out many times, Uh I mean you, your media chops. I mean you, you, you're making you're making me proud. Here we go. I mean you've gotten really good at this thing, but I got to give you a little secret. All Uh right, uh oh, teach me up. School me right. I I know part of the reason why you were able to make it to the National Football League Mm -hmm. was because of your dedication, because of your work ethic, right? Something like that. First one on the field, first one in the weight room, never last one. (laughs) Last one in, in, last, last one in, first one out. You know, always looking for shortcuts. <laughs> Arthur Motes, first one in, last one out. Always Past the least, at least resistance. <laughs> in, in, in media, don't I? <laughs> you work as long as you paid to work, and you, <laughs> and, you don't put the extra time in with work. And, and then you go home, and you know, you grill a steak, you drink a beer, you watch, you watch, you watch whatever you want to watch. So, no longer than the next hour and a half will I be with you. <laughs> All I got for you is 90. Nothing more. All right? Maybe less. <laughs> Unless somebody else wants to pay us for an hour, you know, for an extra hour. I'm just saying. You are funny, man. I mean, I'm just saying. I do have a Venmo account. I mean, I, I, I can be bought. There we go. I have compromised morals. There's a price for everything. That's what they all say. <sighs> but anywho, speaking of, you know, significant things that happened this weekend, man, we had a big time play that some people are saying altered the outcome. <laughs> of a game this week. And I'm talking about the divisional matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cleveland Browns. And during the game, there was a very critical play that happened in the second half. <sighs> Wide receiver catches the ball, is running towards the end zone, goes to dive, hit happens. Obviously, they micromanage the hit, and they'll, people have their thoughts on whether it was clean or not. But the result of the play was the, the ball, ball carrier fumbles the ball, through the end zone, ball goes out of bounds in the end zone, resulting in a touchback. Why was it significant? You look at the final score of the game. 
that could have been the difference in the game in terms of them scoring a touchdown there or even kicking a field goal there, putting them in a better position mm-hmm. later on in the game. But ultimately, because it was ruled a touchback, they lost possession of the ball. Chiefs ended up getting the ball. It was a 10-point swing. It definitely was, Because the Chiefs a few plays later kicked a field yes, goal. Indeed. I mean, it was a 10-point swing. So, obviously, people – we're in an outrage over it. Man, I hate this rule. I don't think this what rule is, is a good rule and things like that. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, man. But more importantly, not only, I mean, we already asked the power grid about the Matt Canada hiring and if they like it or not, but I also wanted to get their thoughts on that rule in terms of fumbles going into the end zone or out of the end zone resulting sure. in touchbacks where you lose possessions. Um, For me personally, I'm not opposed to the rule. I, I think when you get to the red zone, the plays are weighted more. We talk about the significance of points, touchdowns, field goals, and everything is already slated to benefit the offense. The rules are slated to benefit the Spoken offense. Spoken like a true the, linebacker. The, the way the hits are slated to help the line, I mean, to help the offense. No, the game is you tailored want to, see, to offense. Yeah, and they want to see points score. So yep. it's already very little significant impact plays that you can have defensively or rules that are implemented to reward the defense. So to me, the reason why I don't have an issue with it is because when you get down there to the end zone, we already know from an offensive standpoint, you're in the driver's seat. You can score seven points, right? Obviously with a touchdown, you can kick a field goal, get your three points. But outside of that, there isn't a lot of negativity that can happen to you outside of a turnover. I view you not protecting the ball in the red zone, though, it should be significant in terms of the ramifications from my perspective. You do all that work to get down there, but you don't execute to push it in. It doesn't matter. And that's kind of how I look at it. So I'm not really opposed to it. I understand the office people out here. They they want it. Man, we'll, we'll start it over from the 20-yard line or give them the ball back up 10 yards. Nah, I don't like that personally. I, I think that, man, in the red zone, you need to take more you know, responsibly with the ball. I think that is that significant of a play. It is different if you're talking about being out, you know, in the regular field of play, the 20s, the 20s, and things like that, because obviously, oh, well, man, you fumbled the ball there, you still return possession. Yeah, but you're also, if you gain 10 yards, it's not a touchdown either. So to me, I do think that you have to alter the rules a little bit based on where these plays are taking place at compared to in other portions of the field, at least from my perspective. But I would love to hear your perspective, my brethren. Yeah, all that stuff that I said about Matt Canada and, and wait and see and not having takes till September. Here I got go. takes on this. Here Arthur we Mose. go. I knew I could get it out of him. Um, I agree with everything that you said about the way that football is governed, particularly as the years roll along. In the year of our Lord 2021 now, it is, it, it is tailored to make it easier for the offense. I mean, think about this. The play happens. The fumble happens. And before we even get to the whole reaction of the fumble going out of the end zone and it being the Chiefs ball, it was, man, did you see that hit? Well, I was going to get to did, that in a second. Did you see I'm, that I'm hit? Getting, oh, I'm, that getting, hit. I'm getting there. Ooh, Don't you worry. I'm hit. getting there. Oh, man. Um, Jack Lambert once said, you know, you should put the quarterbacks in skirts. Uh-oh. Uh, I'll, get to that. I'll get to that hit in a second. I agree with everything that you said about um, its heightened importance in the red zone. Every rule – already seems like it's tailored to make life easier no, on the no, offense, that, or at least just benefit. Seem, it doesn't is. seem like it. To benefit it is. the offense. It yes, is. absolutely. Yes. The one thing that bothers me, um, and this, it, it's, it's, it's the right call in that situation. Like It reminds me of when we see college football players get ejected for targeting mm-hmm. in a bang-bang play. Yes. Like, I hate the rule. It's the right call. Correct. I don't know if I hate this rule, but I don't know if I love it either. And here's why. Because I agree with everything that you said, but the part that I struggle with 
And again, I know it's the red zone. It's inside the five-yard line, heightened importance. But if um, if Andrew Sandejo, or sorry, Andrew Sandejo is the safety of the Browns. Yes. Uh, Sorensen. Sorensen was the guy from Correct. the Chiefs that, mm-hmm. that hit Higgins. If he hits him in the field of play normally, mm-hmm. and Higgins fumbles the ball five yards forward and out of bounds, mm-hmm. the ball comes back to where Higgins Correct. was. Yes. So to me, it does seem like you're changing the rule just near the goal line now. Which like, we are, yes. Like, like you just laid mm-hmm. out, you're fine with that. That's the part where I, I don't know if I have a crazy hot take on that or yeah. not. I, I would like to see it be consistent across the field, but I, I also, yeah. like you said, everything is already tailored to benefit Well, and I agree the with offense. you. If, if there was a way to make it where it, it could be uniform across, sure, but the problem is this. Middle of the field – those five yards, whether the fumble happened or not, it's not a touchdown. In that red zone, that five yards is the difference between you scoring a touchdown or not, or worst case, kicking a field goal or not. So that's why, to me, I'm like, if this, I, I view it as like a last ditch opportunity to get a save, right? Hmm. A last effort to, man, well, everything is going bad, but in this likeliness, and it's very unlikely, how often do we even see this couple happen? Times, couple times a season. Tops. So you see how I mean, rare I, it, it is. It's happened once to the Steelers in the past in recent, four years. In recent memory. And that would have been what? Xavier Grimble. Yeah, two, yeah. Was that two years ago now? Was, uh, 18. 18. Yeah, two years yep. ago now. Yep. So you see how rare it happens. So to me, I look at it like if you can get the perfect scenario where that play happens like that for you, sure. I, 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 to me, it's no – well, obviously it doesn't happen as much. But it would be like the equivalent of a, a, a four-point play in basketball, right? You hit the three-pointer plus the foul, hit the free throw. Hardly ever happens. You don't see a lot of it, right. but it can happen. That's kind of how I view this. It's like this isn't going to happen all the time, and you got to switch this rule because it's like pass interference and you want to review it or not. No, this thing, man, this is once in a blue moon this happens. It just so happened that it was a significant play in this game, mm-hmm. and it was in a divisional playoff game as well. Mm-hmm. This is a Sunday in 1 a o'clock game. Moment. Right. Yeah. This is Sunday 1 o'clock week three. No one cares about no this. No one's debating that rule Correct. when Xavier Grimble fumbles out of the back. No of the end zone. question. Well, maybe in Pittsburgh they are. But, but that's, that's about it. That's about it. That's yeah. a, and nowhere else, though. Um, Where I do have a hot take, though, Motes, is the people – that wanted to crucify Sorensen for for the hit. Hey, oh well, on, how's that man. not helmet to helmet? How's that not targeting? That's how such can a dirty you, hit. How can you not review that? Stop it. If, if Sorensen can't do what he did there, he might as well let T Higgins prance into the end zone. He might as well let a moonwalk in like Michael Jackson, like, crab walk, army crawl, man. whatever you want to, whatever you want to label it as. That's the only way to make a play. Like it is still football. No, seriously. Like we're taught to get your head across. Like. Just physics alone. Physics alone. Higgins is you, diving to the end zone. If he can't dive and try and take he, him out, and, how is he supposed listen, to stop him from getting and, and across not the goal even, line? And not even take him out because, of course, people will spin that and spotlight the word take him out and say, oh, that's what he did, illegal hit. <laughs> but just simple physics when it pertains to football or when it pertains to stopping momentum. It's football, if, man. If, if your body is going forward and you're going head first like Higgins was doing because he obviously dove, Sorensen, the only way to stop his momentum is to stop it at the head. I can't grab your legs while you're in the air and think that's just going to magically stop you. Like, it, you just look at the angles of it. Look at the physics, gravity, everything associated with it. You physically can't no, do that. That was literally the only way to make the it. play. You have to get your head like said, across the person's body if, to if, stop their momentum. If Sorensen can't do what he did there, he might as well stop and just let Higgins walk into the end zone. Now, see, I didn't even want to get into this part of the conversation, but I do have an issue 
just in general as it pertains to the helmet to helmet rule, right? The defenseless player and, mm -hmm. and how they spin it to we're doing this because we want to protect both the, the ball carrier and the running back. I mean, the ball carrier and the tackler. But it's factually inaccurate because if that's the case, why aren't you flagging every time the running back dips his head to run somebody over? We see that numerous times yep. at the collegiate level and the NFL level, yep. and we applaud it. That's a tough runner, very physical, ran him over. Why don't we do the same things when quarterbacks lean their head forward? Shoot, we saw multiple times that happen this weekend as well. Are we going to talk about how, I mean, just <laughs> – the whole defenseless receiver thing. Yeah. All right, you catch it, but the when, receiver can catch it and duck his head, and that's fine. Not, when is a right, like, receiver like, not I, I defenseless? Just don't that was always the dumbest rule ever. Like, like to me, the way that they try to spin it, that we're only flagging it because we don't want the defender to put his head down. We want to protect him. But yet, mm -hmm. numerous times, offensive players are doing the exact same right. thing, and the defender has to get lower than the offensive guy. So just think about no. what you're seeing you, here. You normally call me you people as one of those like, offense like, people, it, but it, I'm it completely on your nuts. side on this. And like, the part that makes me even more mad is because when they initially implemented the rule, and obviously I was in the league when it happened, they didn't just show the rule for defenders. They showed it for the offensive guys as well. Offensive guy leans his head down. Oh, this would be a flag here. When did that stop? Yeah, no one you, that that never, never see that call. that just stopped out the blue, and you now all of a sudden now we're, now we're complaining about Sorensen. Leading to, to to stop this guy's momentum when he dove head first. If that's the case, then offensive oh, people man. shouldn't be able to dip their head or dive. If you want to take out the right. source of hit, then take and out diving by offensive players. Can't dive, and is that simple? He's got to stay on his feet. Running backs can't dip their head to run people over. You better step arm and shake and bake. That's I'm, all you got. I, like I said, I know you normally you you know you refer to Wolf and I as you people. You know us uh, the offensive uh, man, people. Man, I'm not gonna put that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. I'm not doing I, that I'm, to you. I'm on your side on this one though. That that's the first thing I thought when I saw everybody on Twitter like. Forget the touchback. How's that not targeting? How they got to they got to add helmet to helmet reviews at the goal line. Like, really? Is that what we're doing right. now? Again, getting back to the whole like, it's impossible to play defense in the National Football and, League and, in twenty twenty one. And let's just be real: if we really could make helmet to helmet a reviewable play, people complain about three and a half hours of football. <laughs> if helmet to helmet games. was reviewable. Yeah, we, we might as well just make it'll be like It'll be like cricket out here, mate. Seriously. It'll be a three-day game. No, like, like, three-day match, mate. No, no, no exaggeration. Because by rule, when you slow it down, you can offensively or defensively, helmet-to-helmet contact, helmet-to-helmet contact, contact. And isn't it too – isn't helmet-to-helmet, Motsi, it's it's almost like holding in a way mm -hmm. where it happens on every play. We're, what this, we're trying to do but, with, but this is get rid of the egregious – like there's clear times where you know yes. that that was targeting the head, that was right. helmet-to-helmet, that was ugly. Because just by – just I mean, I, I hate to keep this talking about physics and, and just like regular life stuff, but your head, think about the size of your head, right? Every listener right now, you got two hands, right? You got a right hand and a left hand. Put them on each ear, right ear, left ear, okay? Mm -hmm. You feel that, right? You feel how close Wait, it is, right? I can't hear you anymore. No, and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> now, you turn your head right and left, though, right? You feel how, how, how wide it is, right? You can mm -hmm. feel where your hands are. Mm -hmm. Now, just think with a helmet. Imagine if you had four hands on each hand, how much wider that is. So even though your head is moving certain ways, right, even though you might not have put your head on this guy because of the width of the helmet, because of the size of the helmet, it's going to have contact. So that's why 90% of the time when you see a tackle, there is going to be some form of helmet contact on another portion of their helmet or their upper body. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. 
So you're, you're never going to effectively remove that unless you remove helmets. <laughs> it just is what it is. And that's us in slow motion. Now, let's make it, you know, going 100 miles an hour, you jumping, coming right. off the blocks, coming out of the air, off of attack, whatever it may be. And now you understand how significant and how difficult of a thing that we're talking about. And then you want to review this, <laughs> slow it down, and really go into it even more. And that's like, it's not realistic. If you, you watch anything in slow motion and it looks worse. All the time. Like, that's why I, it's one of my, you know, it's funny. We were talking about your hockey nickname earlier. One of my pet peeves is anytime there's a questionable hit in hockey, right? The opposing fan Mm -hmm. base will always post the slow motion replay of it. And it looks like it looks terrible. But if you watch it, like plays like that, I'm telling you, don't watch the network replays that they play in CBS where they're showing that play at 50% mm-hmm. speed or 75% speed. Rewind your TV. We've all got yep. DVR now. Rewind your TV and watch it again in full speed and tell me there's anything malicious, any dirty intent there. There's not. It's a bang-bang play at the goal line. It happens in football. It happens in hockey. But there's also times in contact sports where you know that something was malicious. Like, mm-hmm. like you can – you if you have if you have – played if you have watched whatever you can tell a difference between a bang bang play and something that's dirty something that's malicious and what like i don't know why we're trying to oh now we got to review all this and do all that and what about the again like i said if Sorensen can't do that mozi he might as well just stop and hold out a a, a red cape you know like he's a matador in spain and ole higgins mm-hmm. right into the end zone because that th- there's no other way to play football in that scenario other than to let the guy moonwalk into the end zone. Without a doubt. I mean, you hit it right on the head. And that's why, like I said for me, I'm not going to call you, you know, you people or you're on the other side. You're on the good team for this argument right here. So I am proud of you. But speaking of somebody else that's not on the good team, that potentially could make their way to the good team. We're going to break down a scenario of a prominent AFC South quarterback who is disgruntled with this current employer and could be looking for greener pastures. And those cat, those passions could be in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about it when we come back. Smokes and Eula on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your twenty four seven home of the black and gold. SNR. Yes, indeed, baby. Motes and Yule on a takeover Tuesday <sighs> on SNR, the only place to be. If you're not listening on SNR, what are you doing? Maybe Shame listen. on you for six weeks. <laughs> Unless you listen to us on the podcast, well, which is fine. Cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Still is Blitz with a Z. Zoltan. Yeah, absolutely. Like Zoolander. Zlatan. Zelda. Zamboni. Zoo. Xylophone. <laughs> Let's go! Zeke Elliott. <laughs> as he just flashes across the TV in here. <laughs> <gasps> Zucker. Shout Ooh. out to my hockey life right now. Uh, I'm on one. Zuckerberg, right? The Zuckerberg? The Facebook guy, right? Okay, okay, oh. okay. I like Zuckerberg. That's Zucker actually, was a good one by that's you. That's actually a good one. Uh, speaking of nicknames, I got yes. one for him. Oh, yeah. Real quick. Jason Zucker. Mm-hmm. Zucker is the German word for sugar. Oh. So, uh, real quick, if we could get our... <clears throat> oh, yeah. Jason Sugar. There yeah. he is. <laughs> on a random Tuesday, he just pops. Appreciate you, Randy. You the man. You the man. That's why I love you. Maybe we'll see you Thursday. You never know, man. You never know. Championship weekend. Listen, I love when he just pops up like that, man. I love it. It always always makes me happy. You never know when Randy's going to show up on us, man. 
<sighs> and that's Savage, not Feekner. Savage. Just right. clarify because we know we know multiple well, Randys. We do know multiple <laughs> Randys. Just so, true. Yeah. But anywho, we gotta talk. We gotta talk. We gotta talk. Now, obviously, um, in the paper recently, and it's pretty much been going on since the end of the season. Deshaun Watson, obviously a top five quarterback in the league, mm-hmm. has publicly uh, expressed his, you know, displeasure with the Texans handling of some of their hiring situations, interview process. Obviously, he wasn't included in the GM hiring, which he felt that he should have been. And honestly, we all agree with him. If you're the franchise quarterback, anytime it's a major hiring like that, you should be included. He wasn't included. Remember, too, this is all in the backdrop of Correct. them trading away DeAndre Hopkins. Which he definitely was frustrated about. pennies in the offseason. Yes. Which he definitely was frustrated about. And then, obviously, throughout the season, they fired head coach slash GM mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien. So, rightfully so, Deshaun wanted to be a lot more involved this go-around. Wasn't involved in the GM search. And then, with the head coaching uh, situation as well, the guy that he was standing on the chair for, Eric Bieniemy. They initially did not interview him. Initially, he was not one of their candidates. And then after Deshaun continued to publicly express his his displeasure with them, and granted he hasn't officially announced he wants to trade, it has been strongly suggested from people in his camp that he does want to be out of there and that he will not be back on that field for this team going uh, forward. And I don't blame him. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> he, he was being Superman down. You look at his his numbers, what he was able to do statistically, his impact, and it was solely based on him. And he didn't have a lot of help surrounding him, both on the field and from an organizational standpoint. So, understandably so, he's frustrated. Understandably so, he wants out. It's a young quarterback. I believe he's, what, 27 right now. Is he even that yeah, old? I, I, it might be 26. I think he's younger than that. He might be 26. Well, let's see here. That's what we when got his birthday for. He's 25. 25. Baby. Oh, even younger than I thought. Until September. That, I, okay, I knew it was coming up. <laughs> I, de- I definitely knew it was coming up. You like I threw that in there, right? I knew it was yeah, coming I up. Mean, September, it's, right around the corner. Hey, it's, it's right around the corner. It's January. Don't Do worry. It's coming remember? up. It's coming up. That's all you got to say. It's coming up. September 14th. <laughs> but was almost the 21st night of September. Absolutely. One week early. Absolutely. But either way, man, this is a generational talent in terms of man you build franchises around quarterbacks like this young talented guys yeah. i mean you, you mentioned I, him we, right we, you, you we were just talking about yeah. him, him being in that same category of the new wave yes of elite quarterbacks yes. man yes and i think we said last week on the show i said last week on the show i think uh i mean yeah i'm doing a lot of shows arthur Motes. it's hard to keep everything track. You big time i'm um, just glad i know you i said and this is true i if i was the texans i I wouldn't want Trevor Lawrence in a hall of picks right now over Deshaun Watson because I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a good NFL quarterback, but I know that Deshaun Watson is a good NFL quarterback. Like yeah. you said, he's top five right now. Well, when we get into the offseason, we'll, we'll do our ranking days and things like that, Motsi, where we'll give our, our lists. But other than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, you could argue him starting at number three. You did? Oh, without it's, a doubt, you it's Rodgers and Mahomes one and two. You yeah. could start to argue Deshaun Watson at number three. Like, Absolutely, like he's top five for sure. Um, and I think too, like we talked about the backdrop of last season and him not being happy with the DeAndre Hopkins decision. And I wonder if this plays into it too, Motsi, that he just saw another prominent athlete in his city mm-hmm. um, leave Houston and get traded. Similar of course, fashion, of I- course. I'm referencing James Harden and his mm-hmm. deal with the Brooklyn Nets. I. I think all these things are kind of coming together to to form the the perfect storm for Houston. Absolutely, and I'm sure 
a lot of people are aware of it, the quarterback situation, obviously, with Deshaun Watson. But more so, they're asking themselves, how does that pertain to Pittsburgh and how could that potentially facilitate a trade or, or grow into a trade potentially between the Texans and the Steelers? Okay, so here's the scenario on how it could potentially work out. We know that Ben Roethlisberger has a cap hit of forty one million dollars oh, no. next is. year in twenty twenty one. Hypothetical modes is checking and, and, in. And I did this for you, Wes. When I thought about this, and I'm not gonna steal the credit. <laughs> one, one of my one of my other colleagues at another uh, another one of these uh, well, radio things I do. Too, I mean, you know, it, this 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 started up with him, and I was like, man, usually he has some off the wall stuff, but I said this one, it, it's kind of like what, what they say, you, you throw it up at the wall enough times, every once in a while something might hit. Well, this is the one that actually hit. I was like, you might be on to something here. So I had to come and bring it to you, baby. Okay. I'm ready. So, Mr. Hypothetical, because I know you love this game, so we're going to play the hypothetical game for Wes. Tuesday Hypothetical. Here we go. 2021 cap hits for Ben Roethlisberger, $41 million, highest in the league. Whew. That's higher than Deshaun Watson, higher than Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. You name it, he's higher than him. $41 million cap hit. Deshaun Watson, 2021 cap hit, $16 million. Okay? $16 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's cap hit if he were to be cut. 19? 22. 22. Okay. A lot less than 41. Now, we told you already that Deshaun Watson's cap hit is 16. So, theory could be simply as this, man. Would you be interested in a scenario? Because obviously it's going to take some pieces that we would have to give up from a draft standpoint. The Texans have already said that they would be looking for at least two first-round draft picks and something else in terms of compensation, whether it's some other middle-round draft picks, a potential player. They haven't given out the full details of what they would be looking for, but they definitely said they're looking for multiple first-round picks. Right. So we know in this move it's going to take multiple first-round picks, but the scenario is this. You could essentially cut big men. Save twenty two million, or it would be twenty two million on the cap hit. You facilitate the trade with Deshaun Watson. His cap hit is sixteen million. You do the math: twenty two plus sixteen. I know you went to WU. What does that equal? Thirty eight. Thirty eight million dollars, which is still. Oh, I'm a genius. It's still what though? I'm basically Elon Musk with the. With I the mean, math you, you over pretty here. much are. But thirty eight million dollars is 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 less or greater than forty one million. It's uh less there. Correct. So in theory, you could facilitate this trade upgrade your quarterback position and have it taken care of for the next 10 plus years along with saving three million dollars on the cap just based on that move right there now granted when we talk about what else would take place with the trade like i said multiple first round picks and either potentially a player or some other form of draft compensation but my question you wes is would you be open to something like that would i be yeah absolutely you would. But I, I just don't think there's any chance that that happens. No, my question <laughs> I, like, I like where you're going with the hypothetical yeah. here. Mm-hmm. I just um, – <laughs> I, I, we have talked about how the Steelers have done things differently than we traditionally – They have been out the box these last two they, years They now. traded up to get Devin Bush. They Stranger traded their first-round pick for Minka for, as I famously uh-huh. say all the time, traded their first-round pick for the first time since the Beatles were literally still on tour. Think about it. Um, Dawn of a new day. They've been more active in free agency over the last few years than they were earlier in my life. Nelson signing. They 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 become a a lot more aggressive and progressive. Arthur Motes, you know how they say you have to crawl before you can walk. You have to walk before you can run. Mr. Rooney done put down the flip phone, and he's all touchscreen, man. He's he's digital now, baby. He iPhone 13 with it now. I'm just saying. 
Um, I still don't think it happens because the first thing that you said, I, I don't think is going to happen. I, I, mm. I just don't think they're going to cut Ben Roethlisberger. Not not under any circumstance. I, I don't see it. Um, and there's a lot of things that play into that. You know, we've discussed this a little bit before. Um, we all know I don't need to deep dive into this because I don't like to deep dive into this because it's a touchy-feely subject and all the details, you know, who like there's he said, she said on both sides. But we know what the relationship is with Terry Bradshaw, the only other quarterback who's won championships in the almost 90-year history of this franchise, the six-decade history of the Rooney family owning this franchise. And we know what happened with some of their last legends and how those things didn't end so great but uh, now with is, James Harrison but and with Troy Polamalu. My question to you is this, though. In those scenarios, was it ever personal or was it business? Oh, it was business, yeah. But okay. I just – I don't think – I don't think that they want that to happen again with Ben. They, He's going to be one of two quarterbacks in the organization that have won championships. The relationship is what it is with the other one. And and the, the two most recent legends of the organization to step away, number 43 and number 92, we can all say, again, and I don't want to, you don't need to, we don't need to hash all this out, but just not the most amicable of separations. I think that's fair to say. Very true. But in both scenarios, what was the end result? Time healed the wounds. We saw when one prominent person was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Who was his first interview with? Just think about it. We saw another prominent person who had a a very uh, controversial exit, <laughs> to say the least, <laughs> and even joined a a, 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 a nice uh, rival in the process. <laughs> but even since then, that person has a. Uh, you know, return back into the good graces. A little bit, little bit, yeah. A little bit, you know, yeah. slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, it's happening. So, all I'm saying is, with time, you know, it could have. Maybe. I Listen, like I said, I if I thought there was a real chance to get to Sean Watson, I would, I'd pick up the phone and I would have, I mean, or I'd, but, I'd get but, on the but, Zoom call and I'd have a lengthy this, conversation. Though, you said a real chance. That is tangible. Is it, though, if it's the Steelers that are offering draft picks as opposed to a team that's picking where the Jets are picking? I think for Houston— or where the Dolphins But, but are this picking. is the difference. I think Houston doesn't have control like that. In a typical situation, you're absolutely right. The Texans could dictate, hey, we got a better offer from Jacksonville. We'd rather you go there. We got a better offer from Miami. We'd rather you go there. Why is this situation unique and why this situation can work? No trade clause in Deshaun Watson's contract, meaning he's in the driver's seat. They can't trade him anywhere he does not sign off to. Hmm. So, uh, with that point. being said, if point. he says, I want to come to Pittsburgh because I like the situation better, he's in the driver's seat. They can't facilitate any trade without him waving that con- without him waving that clause and signing off on no it. No trade clauses are Huge. That's a powerful huge. weapon. Huge. Aaron Rodgers has it. That's, that's a powerful huge. weapon. That's why you have it for situations like this. It doesn't work out. Okay, cool. Well, now I'm protected. If I wanted to ride the wave throughout the process, cool. I can ride the wave. You can't get rid of me. But at the same time, if I don't like this, if I don't like this situation, this scenario isn't what I'm I'm feeling. Well, hey, I I got the luxury. I'm in the driver's seat now to tell you that I choose to go here. You can't trade me where I don't want to go. I'm not going to sign off on it. No trade clause. The details. It's all about the fine print. Most of the time, we don't get that. Most of the time, the players don't get that type of leverage. But typically, you put these clauses like that in there for these caliber players because these are the rare instances where something like this could happen. So that's why, for me, I'm like, 
as much as, you know, I don't like to deal with the hypotheticals and I don't like to go down that rabbit hole, I'm like, no, this situation actually has legs. It's different. And then I even asked myself, okay, you trade away multiple first-round picks. Obviously, it would be this year, next year, potentially. What play would you be giving up? Obviously, they're going to want. Gonna say, uh, uh, we're talking T.J. Watt, Devin Bush tweeted, type, right? Well, all right, Dr. Motes, what player are you trading yeah. away? So, essentially, it's going to have to be a, a higher caliber player, right? Yes. And they would have to be under contract. So, as much as people would like to say, well, just trade them Juju. It's not that simple. And no, yeah, we got a couple. And listen, we got some of those too. And, yeah. and and we've already seen where a team tried to do this in the NFL and they vetoed it. The signing, the signing trade, where essentially we would negotiate a deal, we would just have the deal done in paper with Juju, send the contract over to the Texas. The Texas take the deal, take the player and the cat pit, but we facilitate it through paper. In the NBA, you could do that. NFL, they don't allow that. So. That's not even available Correct. to us. Correct. So, yeah. Um, so, in terms of the players, man, you'll be looking at a guy like a Juju. I mean, excuse me, a guy like a TJY, a Devin Bush type maybe. Or maybe a young, talented receiver, a Claypool or a Deontay. Something like that. You're, it, it, I don't think it will be multiple of those players, but one of those style players. And honestly, for me, I would be fine with it. Now, granted, those guys that I just named are all good players in their own right. Obviously, TJ being in the, in the uh, elite category. But I think we would all agree that franchise quarterback takes president over edge rusher, takes president over receiver, takes president over corner. This is a quarterback-driven league. When you don't have a quarterback, I don't care what pieces you have out there, you don't have a chance. And we've seen that numerous Mm -hmm. times, not only in Pittsburgh, but across the league. I mean, some of the best defenders in the world play out here, but if you don't have the guy, you know, at the helms that, that can make stuff happen, that can make plays happen, you don't stand a chance. One thing that I thought about while you were laying that all out there is the conversation that you and I have had many times that the cheat code in the NFL now for roster building purposes is to get a quarterback who can win right away mm-hmm. and build the roster around him. Mm-hmm. It would, ha- I mean, it, it, again, Deshaun, his cap hit isn't massive, but it's it's getting to that point where he's really getting into his extension. I mean, because right now that's sixteen million. The, the, the only you, reason it gets bad this year is because it would be in tandem with the twenty-two million from Ben right. that would be remaining. Right. I I'd be interested. You know, and we, we're up against a break here, yeah. but uh, you can let us know on Twitter if Steeler Nation would rather keep the defense together and take a chance at finding the next cost effect, you know, a rookie who can come in and who can have success right away, or if they would sacrifice one of those pieces of the defense to get an already proven quarterback, but one who's going to cost you more money. Mm-hmm. But you know he's guaranteed for the next five, oh ten-plus years he's, easily. He's 25. Easily. I mean, he's yeah. got seven great years ahead of him. Minimum. Plus pro- right. min- like, yeah, minimum, plus minimum. probably a few more after that. Absolutely, yeah. man. So it's going to be interesting, though, man. But, you know, it's a little food for thought. We'll watch this space, Arthur Motes. Absolutely. A little food for thought. But when we get back, man, we're going to take a way too early preview look at what the Steelers should do at the 24th pick in the NFL draft. This is Jeweler and Motes on SNR. Jeweler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Marvelous, darling. Just marvelous. Oh, that's what I love to hear. Now get the tea and compass ready, darling. Yes, indeed. This is Mozin Yoler. 
our number two right here inside the Electric Factory on Still It Nation Radio. And we've been having some fun conversations, man. We had to even dabble in a little hypotheticals today. That's how you know it's a, it's a takeover Tuesday. Woo. Because yeah, you, you were deep, deep in my thoughts when I came <laughs> up with that one. You know, I don't deal with hypotheticals. I, I don't do that. You don't do hypotheticals. But he's, technically, he's, he's spreading those wings, folks. He's I am. I am. And, 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 and this is my question right here, right? What we're about to talk about in terms of the Steelers picking at number 24 overall in the first round and some of the potential personnels or, or position groups that they could be looking into uh, addressing. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm falling back into the hypothetical conversation again. Hey, now. What is going on? I love it. Uh, let's do it. Pick 24. Pick 24, man. My real question for you is this. Are you going QB, O-line, running back, edge to you? And I just named off some positions randomly. Don't don't think of it was in any order or anything like that, but just in general, yeah. man. I'm going kicker first round. I mean, obviously. Well, or no, a punter. I, th- I thought you got to go long snapper, actually. Oh, that, that, not, see, chestnut checkers. I need velocity. I need <laughs> versatility. I need a great cover guy that can snap the rock. Arthur Motes, I – it's but yeah, a, man, what's, what's more it's a simple you, to me that the priority in this offseason is rebuilding the offensive line in the run game. Okay. Because, number one, that helps you in the interim with Ben Roethlisberger, who okay. is still skilled, who can still win you games. We know that. But he's also on the 18th green, like you and I have discussed as well. He does no, have his I limitations some now. some people tell me he was like on the front nine still. They said he <laughs> played for the next five to seven years. That's what I heard. So, uh revamping the offensive line, rebuilding the offensive line, and the run game not only helps Ben this year, it also helps whoever is going to be the Steelers' next quarterback, right, after Mm -hmm. Ben. Because as you and I have laid out on this show many times, look at the examples of young quarterbacks in solid run games and how those work lockstep to success. success. Russell Wilson with Marshawn Lynch and what they had going there. Jared Goff with what he had with Todd Gurley, Dak Prescott, and Zeke Elliott. The lists go on and on and on. It helps you now in the interim. It helps you long-term as well, too, when you do get to that next era when your future Hall of Fame corner, quarterback finally says goodbye. It, it, it To me, Arthur Motes, unless Najee Harris or Travis Etienne are there at pick 24, I'm going best offensive lineman available because you can't tell me they can't use any position on the offensive line right now. Now, you, you, you're – now, I understand you say if Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or one of those higher caliber skill position guys were there, mm-hmm. what if it was a quarterback that fell there? We talked about, I mean, on paper, this is shaping up to be a nice quarterback draft, especially at the top portion of it. It is. But with that being said, we could potentially see one or two of those guys in our so, range at 24 or in the ballpark I'm, of that. I'm going to hypothetical your hypothetical here. Oh, man, I love when we get now, – now we're getting hypothetical. If the Steelers are going to extend – give Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm using air quotes, right, a contract extension. Right. Really just to, it would just be to, on paper. To kick his Correct. salary cap hit down yes. the road. No. Like, uh, I, 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 if you are doing that to play for this year, mm-hmm. then I'm playing for this year. Got you. Okay? So, so if even the if that take, means... If the Steelers are going to eat that $41 million cap uh-huh. hit this year... But think about this. No, no. Then this I'm the okay thing. with taking a quarterback. But this is the thing. when you Oh, so you're saying, oh, so you're saying yeah. if they go to extend him, meaning... That clearly means that they're trying to win this year. Right, right. So don't draft a quarterback who's gonna, you. don't, with your okay. first-round pick who's going to sit on the But if they're going to play him just solely under the 41, then go ahead and draft the guy. Then I'm okay with doing See, it. See, for me, I look at it like this. If I'm extending him, though, that means I'm going to be able to get that 41. Now, obviously, this is the the 
the funny part, the particulars of the details. Is this the duality of man? When it comes, the, I wish. This is called, uh, 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 was it floor and ceiling, right? Cash floor or, or, or salary floor. We know the cap hit floor for Ben Roethlisberger next year. Extension, restructure, whatever it is, it's not going to be anything less than $22 million. Right. We know that. No matter what. No matter what. So we have to operate with the assumption that even in some form of extension, we would hope that it's going to get closer to the 22 number versus the 41 number, right? So to me, I think there is a scenario where, and this is the personal conversation between Ben, organization, agents, and things like that, if he can somehow be comfortable taking money that is going to have that number closer to the 22 I think if one of those quarterbacks are available at 24, you could still do that because now you still have the 19 plus million dollars in free salary that you can go out there and get some extra help where there's O-linemen guys, right? Where there's potential running backs. And the reason why I also like that is because if I could potentially grab the successor, right? If I really think this is the successor, now this could be us just spitballing because right. they maybe could there's, view maybe there's they not view, a guy that they or, like. Or they view Mason as comparable with those guys. That could be the case. Then, hey, man, all right, obviously you go O-line, you don't worry about it. But if that's not the case, I do think you go quarterback at 24. And for running back, because I think that right now that's probably the easiest position to replace, even if you don't find it necessarily in the draft with the money that we talked about, right, the 19 that will be remaining, it's a guy like Mark Ingram that just got released, Hmm. a guy that we know and we are very familiar with in terms of the division and some of the success that he's been able to have throughout his career and against us, that's a, that's a small-time Band-Aid right there to get you out of a transitional year until you want to go back the next year and revamp right. it even more with a younger guy. Hmm. But these are some of the scenarios that I was thinking about. It's a lot to consider. You are, you're doing the hypothetical thing, and I love it. I learned it from you. Hope you um, like it. But now, now <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Arthur Motes route here for a second. What I know right now... <laughs> I'm controlling what I can control, and hey. what, I, what I know is that the Steelers are picking at 24. Uh-huh. I'm going best offensive lineman in the first round. I'm going running back in the second round, and that helps you this year. That helps you in the future. And Motsi, Chase Claypool last year, and I know he wasn't a first-round pick, mm-hmm. but he was the Steelers' first pick Correct. because yes. they didn't have the first-round pick, obviously. That was the first time since Dave DeCastro yes. that they offensive used player. their first mm-hmm. pick on an offensive player. I know they're going to take an edge rusher at some point in the first three rounds because that's what the Steelers do. Death, and because taxes, draft outside linebackers. They're, they're probably first losing rounds. Bud. You're yeah. going to have Highsmith. You're going to need some more depth there. Well, behind even Ole Danny was right. one of your depth guys, and uh, Cassius Marsh, the other guy. Both of those guys are, are going to be available. So yeah, right, you're right. going to need to revamp the position. So I I I feel like, and it's never this simple, and it's never this cut and dry. And we know that the Steelers organization is a big best player available. Mm-hmm organization. They had no intentions of drafting Cam Hayward the year that they drafted Cam Correct. Hayward, but they had him ranked 15, 16 spots higher on their draft board than when he was available. Mm-hmm. They are truly a best player available uh, organization. I think that maybe even would have happened, happened last year with Chase Claypool as well, too. But I think, man, I would go best offensive lineman available in the first round, best running back available in the second round, and then I'd probably go best edge rusher third round. Or best linebacker. I mean, you could argue for an interior guy as well, too. I'd go somewhere on the defense in the third round. And obviously we'll talk about this a lot more throughout the offseason. I still don't think that's going to be enough, though, man. 
Yeah. I think that they're going to they're gonna have multiple pieces that they're going to have to fix, and I don't think one pick from an offensive no. line, one pick on the running back is going to do enough. I think they're going to have – Unless maybe it's uh... – Quentin Nelson in the first right, round, yeah, and Nick yeah, Chubb and something Henry like that. Yeah, I, I just, round. I personally don't think that that's going to be enough right now, man. <sighs> but that's the beauty of life, right? We get to wait and see. Oh, I love it. We get to wait and see. And speaking of waiting it. and seeing, we got the 2021 regular season opponents in terms of home and away just got released. So we're going to look into that <sighs> and hypothetical a little bit, you know? <laughs> Best matchups, where we're looking forward to traveling the most. And things on that nature, man. But as always, man, you'll hear it on the other side of this thing. It's Mo Singular on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Yes, indeed, Mo Singular. Back in the action, back in the saddle for this Takeover Tuesday. And I hope you're enjoying it because we are. I mean, it's not often we get to be on SN on no, Tuesdays these, during these, these uh, times. These, these two know? shows a week, I tell you what, it's like all year, Motes, you know, we were like the dude standing in the batter's box mm-hmm. who had like the heavy donut oh, on, yeah. you know, and you're oh, trying yeah. to swing that. Oh, yeah. But then you, you, you know, it's your time and you uh-huh. just click the donut off and all of a sudden you just, you swing easy. Oh yeah. You know Put, putting in the, in, in the lake. It's like, uh, you know, the Put basketball. In the little river, man. I, I bet you, you had these friends, like friends in high school that would walk around like with ankle weights. The basketball players <laughs> yes. walk around with ankle weights on their ankle. Yes. You take those ankle weights yes. off and all of a sudden you can jump like Michael Jordan, baby. That's what we are. We go from doing 37 shows a week, oh, you and man. I combined during the regular season to just a couple Listen, now. It's, we, you, we, you talk about the ankle taking weights. the ankle weights off. <laughs> Yo, I definitely was one of the eight away guys. So. Oh, I should have known. <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 shout out to my cousin, man. Rest, rest his soul. But uh, yeah, he, he, he was he was my old cousin. He'd always walk around with the ankle weights on. I used to put these. I couldn't even lift my leg, bro. <laughs> I was like, yo, how do you do this? My leg, I can't walk. He's <laughs> like, it's gonna make you dunk. You need this. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm like five one at a time. I'm like, what do you mean? I can't reach it. <laughs> one of my buddies, Chris. Great dude. He actually he works for the uh, he's like an athletic trainer for yeah. Georgia right now for the football team. Like he he's got a really cool job. Oh, the, he works the, for the Georgia football like the team. Dogs. Not, yeah. not, I thought you meant like the other football team, like the Washington football team. Yeah, you, I was like, no, like which like football UGA, team? Like, like, like that no dogs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like SEC. SEC. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, he's like, and I'm not tall. I'm I'm five ten, maybe five ten and a half if I'm lucky. And my buddy Chris is like 5'8", and he used to walk around with those ankle weights on, and we'd be like, man, listen, you, if you're, if you're going to make it, you know, you're going to be Steve Nash, all right? You're not, you're not going to be jumping out of the gym yeah, 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 yeah. You're not LeBron. You're going to be a ball handler. You, you better work. Right, work tennis on your balls. handles, not on right. your hops. That, that's the one thing that I would tell people. I'm like, instead of the ankle weights, I, I wish they would have gave me a tennis ball. I would have been dribbling a tennis ball. I could jump out the gym. It don't matter when you're 6'1". You got mad hops. Okay, you're a point guard at best. At best. <laughs> Motsi, before we get to the uh, the schedule, uh, Chris tweets and wants to know our thoughts on the combine being canceled. It's going to throw a monkey wrench into the draft process. Without a doubt. Uh, I think of a couple things, honestly. Me being a combine guy, I don't know if I get drafted without it. Yeah, that's what My I mean. I mean, a lot day, of guys are like, like, like that. Honestly, and I was strategic in terms of – Pro day participation versus combine participation. Obviously, understanding the significance of the combine, understanding just how many people 
from a, a organizational standpoint would be there, the eyes on you, and obviously it being nationally televised, I thought it was huge because at the time, Jamie, we were, we were on TV, but we weren't nowhere near the level of how it is now where these guys are playing every weekend in front of somebody's broadcast, right? Right. right. So you understood you need the exposure. So for me, man, I went there and I performed at a high-level interview really well, and I thought it helped out a ton. But my pro day, the biggest part of me getting there and, and having that, it was cool because obviously I wanted to do it and then still have other teammates that I wanted to get exposure to sure, as well. Sure. But the difference was when it's pro day, it's more so a specialized group that it, that wants to see you. Whereas at the combine, it's everyone there. So I might not have been on your radar, Wes, but if I go out here at six, you know, six foot two forty, and I run four five, that might get your attention. You might say, "Well, I don't know who this kid is, but I'm intrigued now. I'm going to watch film on him." Without the combine, you never see that. Without the combine, you're not interested to follow up to come to my pro day. Right. Right. So now I never get that exposure. I never get that opportunity, and it never happens. Right. You end up probably end up never drafting me. And that's just in this small incident right here. But just think about when you multiply that and how many players get invited to the combine, right? 300 of the top juniors and seniors, draft-eligible draft players. So it's the, the, the elite of the elite. Mm-hmm. And the crowd that is there, it's not your mother, your cousin, your sister, your brother. No, no, it's GMs, owners, coaches, head scouts. coach, yep. scouts. Like the best of the, everyone's there. So – the amount of eyes, the amount of exposure you're able to get to even open their eyes, to even intrigue them enough to follow up with you to come to a pro day. Without the combine, I mean, that's significant, man. That, that's that's going to be very hard-pressed, especially for some of these smaller school guys. Yes. Now, and not not just a 1AA, but some of these MAC schools, some of these right. American conference or schools, even, conference USA like, schools. I mean, a lot of guys in the Pac-12, they only played three, four, Absolutely. five games this year. From an they evaluation standpoint, that's tough. Stuff on tape, yeah. yeah. Very tough, man. Um. And, you know, this transitions nicely where we're going into our next conversation here because, you know, Moats, I'm going to miss that road trip to Indy in a couple weeks. <sighs> but speaking of road trips, man, we got some very, very nice locations, destinations ahead of us in 2021 as it pertains to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll dive right into it. So the Steelers have released their web- – they're officially released it on the website. Mm-hmm. Just double, triple check there that. There we go. The 2021 Steelers home and away Teams now they didn't give us the details in terms of when these games right. will be played, we just but know who's we know the opponents field and where we're going. So yeah. for the home games, we have your typical uh, division opponents from the AFC North: Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. They will host, but they will also host in Pittsburgh the Chicago Bears, the Denver Broncos, the Detroit Lions, the Las Vegas, <laughs> and the Tennessee Titans. They will travel to next year. Drum roll, please. The Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati no. Bengals, and Cleveland Browns. No. Along with the Buffalo Bills, <gasps> the Green Bay Packers, <gasps> the Kansas City Chiefs, Barbecue, Los Angeles Chargers, Gold Chargers, Goal, and the Minnesota Vikings. Sorry, say that again for me. Minnesota Vikings. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So, man, I- I'm excited about these uh, away. Me too. Games. I what mean, slate. dude. Holy like, like, crap. I mean, first off, you got three championship game representatives, right? NFC championship game representative, Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. You got the Bills and the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs, who are both the AFC championship game representatives. Mm-hmm. You're traveling to all three of those spots. But just think about all three of those fan bases. Could you ask? I mean, those scenes. 
oh, are going to be Vikings crazy. Too. Vikings have great fan no base. Question. I mean, it's going to be if that game's in the wintertime, it's it's going to be seven degrees in Minnesota. At least they play in the dome. True. But they got Dude. they got a nice base up there. Buffalo is always a fun trip. That's gonna be a movie. You and I'll be up there. That's gonna be a movie. Lambeau Field. If you haven't been there and you're That's a football going fan, to be shame a on you for six weeks. It's gonna be a movie. Kansas City. I've always wanted to go to Kansas City Insane. to to eat barbecue, but I'll watch football while I'm doing it Listen, there too. Kansas City is one of my favorite road trips when I when I played. Yeah. We and obviously I played there, I think I played in Kansas City four or five times really? now. Yeah. yeah, we played there multiple times. You played uh, playoff game there. Playoff game, obviously yeah. uh, divisional round game. Arrowhead Stadium always seems regular like a season cool games, atmosphere. season opener games. We've been there numerous times. I always tell people about the national anthem and how typically it's the home of the Braves. Mm-hmm. No. There you're gonna have everybody literally say in the home of the cheese. Is and it they, true that you can smell the the barbecue? Oh yeah, the, without the, a doubt, the food bro. from the yes. parking lot when yes. you're in the stadium. It, yeah. it's, it's insane, oh, and oh, it says right. It's, it shares a parking lot with the uh, the Royals. The Royals, yep. yeah. And literally, I mean, it's a beautiful scene, but the food there, like you talked about, man. Like anytime I've been there, that's one of the road trips that the best barbecue. When when spot. my family are talking about traveling to a road games, like, which one you want to come to? I was like, come to Kansas City. You need to experience Kansas City. The food. The people, like, the, the parking lot scene is very similar, you know, when you're driving into some of these, you know, college stadiums a little bit, man, how they kind of just sits. It's just the just, stadium yeah, in the middle the of the parking lot. Area. <laughs> nothing else around it. That's weird. how Lambeau Field is, yes, too. Yes. Nothing else around it. <laughs> and, and you'll see people out there tailgating, nuts, awesome. having a blast. 8 a.m. for an 8 o'clock of scene. game. Yes, yeah. it's that it's, type it's of great. scene. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, and I mean the Chargers gonna be fun because it's L.A. That's it's the one, L.A., bro. That's the one you hope is in December so you can escape the cold for a few days. We, we we need we need September Minnesota. We need yes. December yes. LA. And then and then everything yes. else everything can else can be fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I want Buffalo and Green Bay in the wintertime. Uh, I, I want, it, it has to be. I, I need the cold for those Absol- games. And then like fall would be good for Kansas City. Yes, like yes. October. It doesn't have to kill me. Just give me a little right, meat. Like October's yeah. good. Uh, we'll also get I'm up close. About I'll get an up close though, look man. at Justin Herbert next year. Absolutely. He's man. our. You know, if you've listened to this show throughout the season, mm-hmm. you know how Mozi and I feel about Justin Herbert. We think I he mean, can ball. Not only Justin Herbert, we're gonna get Justin Jefferson too. And we know how we feel about him. <laughs> you already know how we feel about that guy. Yeah, I tell you what. I would like to go to Buffalo. I would like to go to Kansas City. I mean, I've been to Lambeau Field before, but not for a, a Packers I've been to Lambeau. Game. I've been to Lambeau once. That was my second NFL game. So it's like I took it in. But I didn't take it in. I was such a kid. I, I think, have I told you my Lambo story? No. What was your Lambo story? You probably know this. You've, you've been there. Like, you've played there. There's the hockey rink right next to Lambo. Correct, yeah. So, the team that I worked for, my first, you know, big boy job. It's like job, hockey rink, right. Lambo, and your grandmother's house. Exactly. So, it's just like right there. So, we used to play the team that I worked for in Ohio. We yeah. used to play the team in Green Bay at that okay. rink. So, we'd go up there for weekend road trips, right? It would always be we'd play, like, Friday, Saturday. We'd play Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. Um. It was a Saturday. We played there at nighttime, and it's during the day, and I was uh, going for a run, going for a jog around Lambeau Field, hmm. listening to Tony Caridi call the WVU game in my ears, wow. right, just on a Saturday yeah. afternoon, just jogging around Lambeau Field, listening to the WVU broadcast, or the pregame, I think it was, because right. obviously I'd been in front of the TV when WVU was playing. So I'm listening to the WVU pregame. I'm jogging around, and there's, like, equipment managers loading stuff into – you know, like into the locker room, mm-hmm. off trucks. And one of the guys stops me and he goes, hey, do you play for the Phantoms? And I like take my <laughs> earbuds out and I'm like, like yeah, no. yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm big time. <laughs> That's yeah. me. I was like, no, I was like, I'm, I'm the broadcaster media guy, actually. Like I'm the, I'm the voice of the Phantoms. And he goes, uh, he's he was the Packers, like number two equipment guy. His name's escaping me right now, but he was from Canada. Oh, okay. And he goes, go get some of the players 
Come back in like 40 minutes. I'll give you guys a tour of the locker room. So I went and I got, wow. I like knocked on the door of our guys in the hotel room and was like, wow. who wants to go check out Lambo? He showed us the locker room. We got to like walk out onto the corner of the field. It was sick. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've been in the bowels of Lambo. Uh, I like that. That's awesome, bro. But yeah, no, some, that some is awesome. man, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it sucked this year, you know, no road trips this year, yeah. but hopefully by the time we get to the fall and, and I need that though. Yeah, there's some I there's some that. road trips to big, sink your big teeth. Big time into plans this year. coming yeah. for that, baby. Big yeah. time plans. But when we get back, man, we're gonna talk about hopefully two big time guys getting two big go. time announcements, man. We need that happening soon because huh, two Pittsburgh Steelers players will be having their uh Hall of Fame lives oh, voted yeah. on tonight. We'll talk about that when we get back. It's Motes and Euler on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Motes and Euler. Still in Nation Radio. Finishing it up, man. Final segment on the day. <sighs> and we got to talk about two prominent Pittsburgh Steelers players. Well, actually, one's a player. One is a prominent figure within the scouting department. Obviously, everybody knows who we're talking about here in terms of Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn. Uh, two legends in the game. Very different in terms of their approach, but both of those guys, their impact, not only on football, but you know, here in Pittsburgh, Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it goes it's, it's levels to this thing, right? And these guys are in the upper echelon of impactful people that were a part of this Pittsburgh Steelers organization. And tonight, January 19th, in your year of yeah, the Lord. Depending on when you're listening to this. <laughs> 2021. That's why I had to say the date because I was like, if I say just tonight, then they ain't going to hear that. Mm-hmm. But just whenever you're listening to it, January 19th, 2021, the pro football writers will be voting upon Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn's Hall of Fame status. Yes. They'll yes, be doing it yes. virtually for the first time as well throughout the process. Typically, this is a thing that's done in person, but due to the pandemic, they're holding these meetings virtually. That'll be fun. Everybody mute your microphone. Right. <laughs> All right, can you unmute? I'm not going to lie, mute though. Your microphone? I, I'm excited, <laughs> but I, I'm a little bit more nervous this go around. Now, obviously, we've talked about this conversation way too many times with Alan yeah. Fanica and then even with it's, the same with Bill Nunn. Uh, Motes, I'm sick of having this conversation. Without a doubt. Why are we still having this these conversation are, with these guys? Both of these guys we feel should have been in you, a long time ago. You and I always say, right, like we have our Eulerisms, mm-hmm. Motesisms, our showisms, right? Correct. And we always say that we are both, we lean on the side of being stricter. If it, We always say if you have to ask with the Hall of Fame, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask with either of these guys. Correct. Bill Nunn literally changed the scouting game. Correct. You can't tell the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the most successful organization in football, no, no, no. without Bill N- Nunn. Of be, the NFL. Of the, uh, like, think, think about some of the players that he is responsible for finding. Those are NFL. Ta- those are generational players in the NFL that we regard the as the greatest. dynasty that we've seen in the sport. You can't tell the story of the Steelers without Bill Nunn. He is way too important to a franchise that has meant so much to the National Football League. And what he did not only affected the Steelers, obviously, it changed the scouting game for everyone. A no-brainer. And then Alan Fanica. Again, you don't have to ask with this guy. 
He was arguably the best offensive lineman in football for a decade. He was the best guard in football, the best unquestioned guard in football, by my math, for at least seven years. At least. How is a guy who was that great for that long, arguably the best over a decade, certainly the best at his position for six or seven years, you don't have to ask with these. I'm tired of having this conversation every year. It's unreal. And the reason why I said I'm a little excited is because I said maybe the different style could potentially help these guys. Yeah, because right. Because it's different, right? Obviously, what we've been doing in terms of you guys going in there right. and having these conversations, it hasn't it hit hasn't the same. I don't know if it's, your pres- if it's the person presenting it, if they fumble over the material, but this could help them because virtually we know this. You could split screen it. So if you need to be able to read <laughs> off more accolades, read off more you know, things about this person – you can do that now. You have that luxury. So I'm excited. But the reason I'm nervous also is because of when we talk about virtual meetings, we know how those things go. Sometimes the the attention isn't always the same virtually as it would be if you were actually sitting in the room with these guys together. So that's my only concern with it, man. But let's get our fingers crossed, man, hope for the best. But, man, this, yes. this has to happen, man, because, like I said, it's been long, long overdue, man. It, like like I'm like I said I'm sick of having this conversation because mm-hmm. they're so we should be talking about these guys as Hall of Famers like it's it's just not, a no, not as Hall of Fame like snubs. A, I want to be clear with that I'm not sick of talking about Bill Nunn and Alan Fanica. Correct. I'm sick about talking there about their Hall of Fame candidacy because it's so obvious. It's like I'm banging my head against a brick wall every time we have this conversation. You are absolutely let's get it, right. Let's get it man. done tonight. Let's get these guys over the line. You are absolutely right, man. But speaking of being over the line, we don't want to go over the line. <laughs> We want to accommodate. We want to make sure that we're doing things the correct way. So with that being said, I think it's about that time. Yeah, well, you know, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to the people on Thursday. It is Thursday. I was about to say tomorrow. 46 hours. 46 hours. <laughs> so with that being said, man, you got a smooth 46 hours to listen to this show on replay on the podcast. Those bits, that's with a Z. So t- but in the middle of that. Or before you get to that, let me first off sign off this by shouting out the producer, Wesley Euler. Thank you, thank you. Always doing his name, man. He's the best in the business. But then I also got to shout out the Power Grid, the Megawatts, because they are phenomenal. The participation is always there. We always appreciate y'all. Thank you, thank you. And then lastly, I got to thank my co-host, my partner in crime, my colleague with the good hair, freshly trimmed hair, might I add you, Wesley Euler. Always a pleasure, partner. Always a pleasure. Yes, indeed, man. Looking forward to doing this in 46 hours with you, baby. So, don't work too hard, man. See you on the other side. And until next time, you already know where to find us on your 24-7. Home of the black and gold. Steelers. Mm -hmm. Nation. Talk about it. Radio.